Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It's a Handicapping Tuesday coming to your ears on Wednesday, and I'm Scott Pianowski. I'll be joined by my good friend and handicapper to the stars, Yahoo Sportsbook's Frank Schwab, in just a minute. But before we get into the NFL, the lines, the the actions, the sharp money, let's just remind you that all of our lines today come courtesy of our friends at BetMGM. And they've got some great deals. If you're a new player at BetMGM, you can create a BetMGM account and place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. If that bet loses, you get that bet amount up to $1,000 added back to your account in free bets. Now, take advantage of this. You must be 21 or over in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, the great state of Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Terms do apply. Go to betmgm.com slash yahoo to get started or use the promo code yahoo when making your first deposit. Get in there in time for the Michigan Mission State game on Saturday, perhaps. Okay, we're going to talk NFL. Let's get my man Frank Schwab in here. You, you know him for all the Yahoo uh, football coverage. He's on just about every podcast I feel like we do here at Yahoo, including a big part of the Yahoo Sportsbook Daily program. Mr. Schwab, aloha. Uh, you know, I mean, this is week eight, right? Uh, eighth time we've done this. And I, as mm-hmm. I looked through the lines when I was writing the first look on Monday, I was like, I'm glad we're doing the show because I, I honestly need to be talked into some sides. I, this this is a tough slate. This is this is the toughest one I've seen. Where I just nothing really popped out at me. Nothing was like, wow, yeah, I really love that. At least I won't have undying love for the Carolina Panthers again, like I did last week. So I, I'm looking forward to this one just because I want to figure out. All right, let, let, let's get some let's get some bets down. Let's let's get some sides I like. More games to work with. Remember, we had that crazy bye week. Uh, six teams didn't play last week. This week, it's only the Ravens and the Raiders on holiday. So 30 of the 32 teams are in play. And before we, we jump into the th- to the games, I just want to do one really quick thing here. We were talking off air about, I believe the stat is, this is from my friend Mike Trainer, a guy I grew up with. No favorite of seven and a half points or greater has lost this entire season. That's why everybody is alive in your survivor pool, in- including Frank Schwab, Andy Barron's, uh, my friend Trainer runs a pool. He's got like thousands of people still in. It's been a good, now I, I want you to get a reaction to that, but I, I also want to just give a little maybe intel about what that means about how we should be betting and teases and stuff like that. But let me just ask you first off, there haven't been any major upset. I say every NFL season's crazy in its own way. I would posit the craziness of this year is there hasn't been as much craziness as we think. Where, where's the 11-point underdog winner? There should be a handful of those right now. This is, I, I think, t- 2005 is the only season that's gone this deep without the major upset. What do you make of that? Is there anything we can apply to that? Just give me a reaction to that stat. Yeah, I, I think there's a few things. And, you know, I wrote to this morning in, in a kind of betting lessons, a weekly post I do, that I think double-digit, if I'm getting a stat right, 
double-digit underdogs are three and eleven against the spread. They're not even covering. Like we come on here every week, Scott, and we're like, well, you know, it's good good business to just take double-digit underdogs in the NFL. Uh, that's not even working. I think there's a couple things. I think, and I think the main one here, especially when we're talking about teams winning straight up, it's I do think that there's just some bad teams. I, I just think there's a few teams that you can pick on every single week and feel pretty good that they're not going to burn you. At some point they will. At some point the Detroit Lions are going to win a game. At some point. Jacksonville is probably going to win another game. I, I don't know that I feel the same way about the Texans, but maybe when when Terod Taylor's back. Uh, but I just think it's it's the bad teams. You're, you're able to just focus on, hey, there's this group of about five teams, and I'm going to come up against you know somebody I like on the other side, somebody who I still have alive and Survivor. And I think that's driving it right now. That you know we're seeing that more than ever, where you know they, you can cross off so many teams now they're just drawing dead basically already. And it's it's just not like that usually. There's usually one or two, but now it's like five or six. You talk about drawing dead, and that makes me think rounders, and that makes me think of one of the best gamblers I know, Joey Kanish. And uh, let's just throw out a little bit of Kanish's corner. There's so much advice being given out now because you know gambling is legal in so many different parts of America. It used to just be that you could gamble in Vegas or gamble maybe at your neighborhood bar with a, with a guy who was booking action. Now it's legal all over the country. And that's one reason why we do these shows. And I'm seeing a lot of advice given out. Some of it's just flat out bad advice. And I, I want to give, remember, Kanish was giving to Mike, you know, the, the playbook that he put together <laughs> off his own beats. I'm okay. going to give people some of the wisdom that I've put together off my own beats. Okay. I heard some people last week saying, oh, you know, let's, teases are very popular because if, if you tease a team, say it's an eight point favorite down to like one or two, you avoid the seven, you avoid the six, you avoid the four, you avoid the three. Those are good things. But I saw some people last week saying things like, oh, tease the Kansas City Chiefs. They're four-point favorites. Tease, tease them the plus two or tease them even do a, a greater tease. Never – here's my Kanish's corner. Never tease through the zero because games don't end in ties. Games don't end in one point – generally one-point margins. You're not getting – you're getting movement past numbers that are dead anyway. You're not getting the value of your tease. So my Kanish's corner, my little tip that I want you all to, to file away, don't tease through the zero. Don't tease a four-point favorite to plus two or a three-point favorite to plus three. You're just wasting your money. Yeah, and I'd even take it a step further and say, be be careful about which number. Make sure that if you're teasing, you're going through the key numbers of seven, four, and three. That that's always my. I won't even do it otherwise. Really, I, I sometimes I'll take a you know six and a half down to basically a pick 'em, but just to get through the six and the three. But usually every week, if I'm looking at a teaser, I'm just saying seven, four, three. What what games can I get the favorite through those numbers? And I, I might do that. And I might not. It's don't have to do every teaser. You don't have to tease every single eight-point favorite. Like it doesn't. It's not going to work out that often. It, it has this year, but it's not going to. It's not going to be an automatic. There's no locks. That that that's one piece of advice I'd have because I always hear. You know, you talk about bad betting advice. You hear some people talking about something that just no way this can lose. No way the no way the Ravens are going to lose at home to the Bengals. Well, yeah, it, it happens. And I know you know if I'm giving something out, it would be in the NFL especially. You don't trust trends. And I know people love trends and sometimes I use them and, and, but it's just a, it's, it's this, this Etch-A-Sketch League where you just turn it over and you shake it and everything changes every week. You can't trust anything. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it just, I guess the spread standings, everything has come back to the mean where the Cowboys are the only undefeated team against the spread. The Cardinals and the Packers are the only teams with one loss against the spread and then on the other end of that, there's only three teams with one law with one win against the spread. That's the Jets, 49ers, and the Washington football team. Everybody else, the, the other 26 teams, if my math is right, 
they're all kind of 500. So if you're like falling in love with a team and saying, oh, the, the, get, like the Ravens last week. Oh, the Ravens, they're going to keep covering. They're going to get his machine. They're going to get on. They're not going to get on a run because nobody gets on a run in the NFL. In the NBA, you can do it sometimes. I remember the Jazz last year covered like 13 in a row or something. The Knicks were a covering machine most of the year. It just doesn't happen that way in the NFL. Anything you think is just going to go forever and ever, it's just not, especially with a team. So that that's my advice of, you know, look at the trends. There's something behind some of these trends sometimes. But don't fall in love with any of them because this the league just changes week to week. You, you can't trust anything. And those trends are often baked into the future line anyway. If a team yeah, becomes right. a covering juggernaut, we saw it with Kansas City last year. They they could cover any spread they wanted for about half the year, and the line kept going up, the line kept going up. And then since then, they, they have been one of the worst bets in football. And let's make some bets, Frank. Uh, we're going to start with the Island games as usual. And I'm really sad because this Packers-Cardinals game was setting up to be one of the best games of the season. Yeah. And we have to start with... Uh, the COVID news, right? Uh, the, the Packers defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, has tested positive for COVID. And it sounds like uh, for COVID reasons, they may not have Devontae Adams. They may not have Alan Lazard. So I don't know who Aaron Rodgers is throwing to. And if it's a skeleton crew, they have limited time. They have to travel to Arizona for this game. They have limited practice time. The Cardinals have become a six-point favorite on BetMGM. The total is 51. It, Talk about a game I don't want to bet on. With I don't know who's going to be in uniform. I don't know how many reps they've, they've run with Aaron Rodgers. I, it's just... Very difficult to know what Packers team we're going to get on Thursday night. Yeah, and I was enjoying Packers plus three and a half. And I'll be honest, I took it right away because I thought Packers are a public team. It's going to come down to three. I want the hook. And then you know, that that ticket, I, I should burn it right now because it's up to six. And I think it's going to go higher. But I wonder, Scott, is this a contrarian game? Uh, everybody's going to write off the Packers. Uh, they got no receivers. Aaron Rodgers has nobody to throw to. Well, this is still a really, really good football team. And Matt LaFleur has his issues sometimes, but I think he's a really good coach. And uh, not that anybody's do, you know, we just talked about nothing lasts forever in the NFL. Nothing's, are the Arizona Cardinals just going undefeated? I don't know that that's true either. I, I wonder if, especially if he can, if this slide somehow, some way gets over seven, I'm probably going to take the Packers and just say, they'll find a way to keep it close. Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, uh, use your tight ends more. I, I kind of trust them and trust Aaron Rodgers to, so just figure it out when their backs are against the wall. Absolutely, possibly nobody's going to be picking them. Yeah, I, I think the line is going to swell because who wants? To, nobody wants to bet on, a, on an injured Packers team and the Cardinals are becoming a very popular. I mean, the Cardinals were 20-point favorites, I think, a kickoff when that Houston game yeah. finally started. Interesting. Talk about the way things have shifted. Kyler Murray's not running anymore. He, he's got, I think, 17 rushing yards the last three weeks. He hasn't hit 40 rushing yards in a game. And part of that is they have great receiving core. They have two running backs they like. Green Bay's pass defense is just kind of meh, but they've been pressuring the quarterback. They've had a really good pass rush lately. I think this game may come down to, in the NFL, you don't have to stop your opponent all the time. You just have to disrupt them. You just have to get a couple of turnovers, hit the quarterback a little bit, you know, get in their way. If Green Bay could hold Arizona to 20 or 24 points, I'm sure they'd be thrilled and say, you know, okay, Aaron, outscore 20 or 24. And I, I think Aaron Rodgers, even with a skeleton crew, can still do that. So right. the contrarian to me... Go ahead. I will. What one more thing is just if you're going to take the Packers, wait. Do, you wait. Wait until kickoff because I don't know that we're done with the COVID news. Honestly, like if does it, it feels like we're going to get a couple more, and I just think everybody's going to be on the Cardinals. So wait until if you like the Cardinals, bet them now. If you like the Packers, I'd wait until five minutes before kickoff and take. Sure, and, and you know, also make sure like Aaron Rodgers isn't like scratched or something Correct. like that. I mean, yeah, yeah and that's the other thing. Like I'm sitting here with a Packers plus three and a half ticket, and it's. Sometimes that works out, but this time it sure didn't. 
yeah, I'm going to probably lean Green Bay too. But again, let's wait as long as we can to lock anything in there. And, and I, I hope that's a good game because these teams are probably on a collision course in the playoffs where the NFC is very top heavy. Good one on Thursday night. Two teams off their bye week. The Cowboys, man, I they seem to have everything except maybe a head coach that I like. But their coordinators are great. The talent on that team. I don't know how they went to overtime against New England because they dominated that game. But at least they got the cover in OT. They traveled to Minnesota. Dallas is a two-point favorite. I'm sorry, two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. The total is a juicy 54.5. What's your early read on Dallas-Minnesota? I was shocked by the line, and not because I, I don't think it's it's a fair line. I just thought the Cowboys are the public team. They're rolling. They have this offense everybody loves. People don't really respect the Vikings. Uh, you know, they're they're one of those kind of – they're 3-3. Three three, they're in the middle, but – you know, they're one of those teams that I've written about a couple times in the last week. They could be 6-0, and they could be 1-5. and And the difference between that is just a handful of plays. It's been a weird season for them that way. So to see them as getting less than a field goal surprised me. I, I feel like, I almost feel like there's one of those games where if you take the Cowboys, you just feel like a square. You feel like, you know, everybody in the world is punching that Cowboys ticket because they just know the Cowboys and how good they are. This Vikings team is pretty good. I... I I do think the Cowboys are just better. I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm conflicted because I almost wish, and this again, this, is, this sounds counterintuitive, but if the Cowboys were minus three and a half, I'd almost feel a little bit more confident with them because it would feel like I'm not getting, tr- why is this line bo- below three? Why, you know, I would almost feel like, like the lines makers were trying to trick me with this or something. So I, I don't know. I might end up on the Cowboys here. But I understand why the Vikings are less than three. I was just surprised to see a lot. I hear it's like you're going to buy a new TV and the price is two hundred and fifty dollars less than you expected. You're like, <laughs> right. well, wait, wait a minute, somebody just dropped this on the ground. You know, right. is a right. piece is missing and what's going on here? I'm going to lean Cowboys. The interesting angle to me is that look, Mike Zimmer we know is a defensive coach, and they had a horrible defense last year. Now this year they're top ten in pass defense DVOA. They're they're top ten in overall defense DVOA, and we're deep enough in the season that metrics like that I think have enough weight that we can apply some significance to them. But I don't know how you defend Dallas. They have a smart quarterback. They have a mobile quarterback. They have two running. They've hit, I think they've really found Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, doing a hell of a job. And and it's probably going to be a head coach sooner rather than later. But they found the right mix with with Zeke and Pollard, where Zeke plays about two-thirds of the snaps and Pollard plays about one-third. And and each one of them looks like they're shot out of a cannon the moment they, they get the ball. Schwartz has become a thing in the middle of the field. Jarwin's on a bad second tight end. They have all sorts of wide receiver talent. I mean, C.D. Lamb is going to be the best receiver in fantasy football someday. May not be this year, but I mean, he's got like a 15 touchdown season waiting to happen. They may be getting Gallup back. I I think Minnesota's fixed their defense, but it's an offensive league. They've never made it easier to play offense. I just think Dallas shows up and gets 30 plus against anybody they want. I will dare primetime. I don't know if primetime Kirk Cousins is the thing or not, but he doesn't have the greatest record under the lights. So uh, right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the square. I don't like to be the square, but I'm going to be the square who takes Dallas here. Yeah. And, and another thing, like you probably see Trayvon Diggs against Justin Jefferson. Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, you take him out of the mix. And I don't think Adam Thielen's the kind of guy who's going to just torch you anymore. He's going to he's going to get his red zone looks, but he's not that down in, down out 1200 yard receiver anymore. So I don't know. Everything to me, football wise points to the Cowboys. I'm just trying to come up with the angle for the Vikings. Why it'd be beyond them in this one. I'll give you a fantasy sleeper for your props. This is going to be a week where Ty Conklin catches like seven passes. Mm. It may be for 60 yards, but they're, they're going to have to have a second and third pitch because I think Dallas is going to push their chips in and make sure Jefferson doesn't beat them over the top. So 
Monday night, one of the hottest stories in the NFL is what's wrong with the Chiefs. You know, I get so frustrated when people are like, are the Chiefs really going to lose a fourth game? Well, if they've already lost three, they're only one loss away from it. Titans beat the snot out of them. So now Kansas City's three and four. As much as we love Reed and Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill, this is a team with infrastructure problems, but they get the Giants. Just the team you want to see. I mean, the Giants have had moments. They won at New Orleans. They played pretty well last week. I don't know what beating Carolina means anymore. As you would expect, the Chiefs are very heavy favorite at home. It's minus 10 at bet MGM. The total is 52 and a half. I actually think Daniel Jones is a great fantasy play in this game. He's going to make a couple of bad plays, but I like the Giants' skill talent, even though I don't know which of that skill talent will be in uniform on Monday. How do we handle a Chiefs game? They've been so disappointing, but here they are laying big number again. Uh, do we do we take the bait or do we go with the underdog? Yeah, it's another game where I'm going to have to wait till Monday to bet it because I just need to see the Giants injury report, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, if, is Sterling Shepard going to play? Kadarius Tony is he back? I doubt that one. But can they get some guys back? Saquon, maybe. I don't know. They There are just so many questions about their lineup that, that if they get a couple guys back, I'd feel pretty good about them with a 10 because – we, we have seen them at times be able to move the ball and score. And, I, you know, I had 10 points a lot. It still is, even though double-digit underdogs aren't covering much. It's still a lot of points in the NFL. And like you said, this Chiefs team, it just – I don't even – I don't know what happened to the offense last week. They're playing a bad Titans defense, mediocre maybe. And they just couldn't move the ball. They couldn't do anything. There's no explosive plays. I think Tyree Hill's banged up. And as you've talked about so often that I've repeated since you've really put it in my head – it's basically two guys on offense that Mahomes has. And if Tyreek Hill's banged up, you're down to one. Nobody else is, is threatening you at all. Darrell Williams is not keeping any defensive coordinator up late at night. It's just that they're so narrow in what they do that if anything throws that off, all of a sudden you're not this great offense. They're still very, very good on offense. Don't get me wrong. It's a defense. It's a problem. And that's probably why I'll end up on the Giants here, assuming it's some form of health for their skill position guys, because I just feel like, even if the Giants are very good, they're going to score 24, right? Like, it's almost, I, I don't see the Chiefs holding anybody down to 14. So I, I'm just going to take the Giants because I think they're going to be able to score in this game. Yeah, I, I, I you know, brush against the narrative. I, I reject the narrative of, oh, the Chiefs are going to turn it on. Why didn't they turn it on against the Chargers? Why didn't they turn it on no, against the Titans in the second half? They're They're a flawed team. Didn't every square want to bet Kansas City second half? Oh, we've seen this story before, you know, and then, well, guess what? No, they got, they got their, you know, behind kicked, you know, for three hours. And, and kudos to Mike Vrabel, by the way. This is a good football coach. You know, I mean, they circled the wagons and, and beat the, the Bills and the Chiefs in consecutive weeks when sure people – This is a team that lost to the Jets a few weeks ago. So I know, I'm, right? Yeah. I'm impressed by that. Yeah, I'm leaning Giants as well, but I agree with you. You really need to know what personnel Jones is going to be working with to get a better sense of how you feel about that game. Let's transition to Sunday. We'll start with uh, the fillet cut of the games, and then, then we'll go through some of the other ones that maybe aren't as appealing. The Browns, I think it's going to be Case Keenum. Not sure yet. They're hosting the Steelers and whatever's left of Ben Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger's YPA, by the way, since 2019 is 6.3. And it's not like Pittsburgh ever lacks for wide receivers. They just are so dink, dunk, five-yard pass. They don't want to do play action. It's so frustrating to watch them. The Browns are at home, a three-and-a-half-point favorite over their rivals. Total is very low, 42-and-a-half in today's NFL. That is a low number. It sounds like Nick Chubb will probably be back. I think Dearness Johnson, though, may have a role if they can't get Hunt back. My lean is Browns here. I just don't believe in the Steelers at all. I I obviously would prefer it would be three or two-and-a-half, but I think Pittsburgh's a very flawed team. I think Cleveland has their issues too, but I think Cleveland's infrastructure is a lot stronger 
So my lean here is the home team. Yeah, I, I'll be on the Steelers, I think, and more than a field goal, because I do expect it to be Case Keenum. And look, Case is a really good backup. He really is. Mm-hmm. But he's still a backup going against uh, defense I still respect. I, I think that this defense, when TJ Watt's on the field, and and they've had a week off now to get a little bit healthier, get a little. I I think that they're gonna they're gonna make life really really difficult on that offense. It's you know Odell Beckham's just dust right now. I mean he, he's just a non-factor. And I know they got Landry back, but talking about an offense that with you know what are the other than Nick Chubb? What are you really kind of banking on in that offense? It's the passing game with Case Keenum, the throwing it around to Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, Jonas Johnson was great, but that might be because the Denver Broncos have seven linebackers on an injured reserve. I, the Denver Broncos are bad. Like, they're a bad football team. I don't think the Steelers are bad. They're just a, a they're just a team with a bad quarterback right now. And, and, and you know, that that's nothing you could just gloss over. But I think that it's going to be just ugly 13-10, 16-13. Like, whatever. I, I just... I, I don't like taking the Browns when I just assume that this game is going to be really, really low scoring and ugly. And I'd take the under because I just, I don't know how either of these teams really put up a decent number. Yeah, you make a fair point that when the totals is slow, one team's playing with a compromised quarterback in Roethlisberger, one team's playing with a back. I don't, and you're right, Keenum is a good backup, but he has a background with Stefanski. I always get frustrated when teams say, like the Jets lost their quarterback last week, and people are like, why don't they have a better backup? Well, first of all, if any quarterback is good, a good backup is a starter. The NFL doesn't have that many good quarterbacks. And it's actually kind of a problem to have two really good quarterbacks because then the the locker room doesn't know who the starter is. It becomes a problem. There's this... A perfect back, backup is like Gardner Minshew, right? He's good enough to play if you need him. Maybe there's a tinge of upside if he needed to be a long-term starter, but he doesn't come in and upset the whole infrastructure of the team. Keith Keenum's a good backup. He's got history with Stefanski. He can, he's that donut tire that you can ride 100 miles. They don't want to <laughs> right. go the whole season with Case Keenum. That would be a disaster. So I, I get your point. You know, one other thing I like here, okay, if, if you're thinking under – what I would do is play the first, and I, and I thought this was actually a great play in the San Francisco game. It didn't work out, but play the first half under, okay? Before the game gets weird, before somebody gets behind mm. by enough that they have to chase the game, they have to speed up the game. I think I think Cleveland comes out conservative with Keenum. They don't want, assuming he plays, it sure seems like that's going to be the story. They don't want him throwing 35, 40 passes. I don't think the Steelers want Roethlisberger throwing 35 or 40 passes. Both teams have good defenses. This game's going to be 10-3 at halftime. So I, I know the total, yeah. first half total, probably 19 and a half, 20, something like that. I'm telling you, it's going way under. My my Pianowski first half total lock of October is under first half Brown Steelers. Print it. Put it in bold print, Brett. I want I want people to be on this game. I like that. I like that angle for sure. That, so, that makes uh, a lot of sense. Let's talk about a team I've been wrong on and you've been right on. You liked the Colts before the season and you held to that. And they should have beaten Baltimore. They didn't, but they spanked Miami. They a very decisive winner against San Francisco. Now we get a really good test of what's going on in the AFC South. As Tennessee goes to Indianapolis, the, the Colts are actually catching a point in this game. Titans off two big wins. The total is 49. So uh, if the Colts are back in business, this is a chance to really prove it. I, I, I'm not sure what the win over the 49ers means anymore. I'm, I'm kind of reevaluating everything with that team. What do you make of the AFC South showdown? A really, really good game. Uh, I I keep going back and forth on it, and that that kind of speaks to the line being you know plus one. It should be a pick 'em, whatever. I, it just you can make a great case for the Titans, who I mean they just beat the Bills and the Chiefs, and even if the Chiefs were flawed, two quality wins in seven yes. days. I mean that 
that is really, as somebody who has a, a, a big investment into the Colts winning that division, I was not so happy the Titans pulled off those two wins. And this is, the one thing I will say about this game is, you know, as somebody with those, you know, AFC South tickets, I know, I, I you know, you figure out the math in your head, right? And this is last call for the Colts. If, if you want to have any shot at this division, you need to win this game. You're two games behind the Titans. And if the Titans win this one, you're three back and they have the tiebreaker. So you're basically four behind. You ain't catching game it. Over. It's done. It's done at that point. So this is a must win. As much as a week eight game could be a must win for anybody, this is a must win for the Colts. And I think Carson Wentz, like everybody loves banging on Carson Wentz for some reason. I think he's played some really good football. Really good. Like, I mean, I'm not saying he's a top 10 guy or anything, but I, I watch him and you know, he's he's able to get the ball to Michael Pittman and he's able to, you know, he's able to make some plays, even if they're, hey, I'm just going to throw it deep and get a pass to Ferris call. Like, well, okay, well, it still counts. I mean, he's still not afraid. He looks a lot more confident than he did earlier in the season. I get it. That, that interception was ridiculous. The one he threw kind of pushed past the linebacker. But I think all in all, he has played very well. I, I think I'm going to take the Colts just because this is kind of a must-win spot for them. But it's almost one, it's probably a game I'm just going to sit back and, and watch because I, I don't have a really strong feeling either way. He can make a great case for either team. Yeah, I like Colts too. Bill Parcells used to always say, when in doubt, take the more desperate team. You know, as, as long as we're not talking about, you know, horrible football teams that, you know, being desperate doesn't help the Jaguars or the Jets necessarily. But what will it take, Frank? You're a Wisconsin guy. We have one team in the Titans that they give Derrick Henry 32 touches off the bus. What will it take for Frank Reich? And look, Naheem Hines is, is a fine football player. I have nothing against Naheem Hines. But what will it take to give Jonathan Taylor... 25 or 30 touches in a game. What do, what does this guy have to do? All right. he does is make splash plays. He's a he's a hardworking guy. He can catch the ball. He's had a good catch rate since he left Wisconsin. That was a question of whether or not he could be a three down back. I think Jonathan Taylor's ready to be a superstar. And I just wish the Colts, and they're getting healthy in the offensive line. They have Nelson back. He didn't have his greatest mm-hmm. game in San Francisco, but he's obviously a very good guard. What's it going to take for Jonathan Taylor to get, I'm not saying you get to run him into the ground, but can we at least get him 20 touches a week? Yeah, I mean, I, I I find it ridiculous too. Trust me, I, I just think, well, Sean, he can play football. Like I noticed that his freshman year at Wisconsin, I was like, whoa, it, they got something with this kid. This mm-hmm. is, and he's just kept on right through the NFL. I mean, he is, he's a heck of a running back. His vision's unbelievable. Great athlete, and I mean, maybe maybe I'm just talking myself into something positive for my fantasy teams that have Jonathan Taylor. But if you were kind of saving Jonathan Taylor, if you're saying. We can't give him the ball 30 times in a row. He's not Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's a, a robot built in a lab somewhere. We can't give him 30 carries a week. That's not going to work. But if there's a game we're going to give him 30 carries, it's this game we have to win against the Titans to stay in the AFC South race. Maybe this is the week. Maybe this is the week to bet all of the Jonathan Taylor over props and first touchdown and, and everything else you can because there is a game where they're just going to say, Jonathan, strap it up because you are going to have to carry this as many times as we can give it to you. This would be the game. I love that. And I want to make one other thing clear, too. One thing I would never do, and the Titans seem to do this, is like once games are salted away, like once that Chiefs game was out of hand, I would have let Derrick Henry just rest for the last 10 minutes. I mean, oh, why yeah. why give him, why let him get hurt in a game where you're ahead by 24 points? I don't care if it's the Chiefs or not. But you're right. I think this could be a week where they just say kitchen sink. Taylor's going to be the bell cow. And I'm going to be very curious to see. Get to those props early, by the way. I think those Taylor props might rise as the week goes right. by. That's something I'd like to bet when the window opens. What would you take? I, I haven't looked. What, like, what would you give me a yardage? And you would take, uh, like, what's the highest bet MGM could go 
where you wouldn't take a Jonathan Taylor. I feel confident he's getting 100 plus rushing yards. Yeah, I did and, and I know I the number yeah. won't be 90. It'll probably be about 80, maybe 78, something. It was 80. 60. It was it was mid 60s last week, so okay. I assume se- about 75. And no, I would 70, take over 75. You give me a 75, I'm punching. I'm going to the over. I'm, and, I'll, and I'll play it for a solid couple yeah, of years. I'm going to have to look that. that up. I'll look that up as you as you go through the next game here. Good man. So I couldn't sleep on Monday morning. So I did what any red-blooded American male would do. I listened to a Bill Belichick press conference. And I listened <laughs> to him talk about Justin Herbert and how poised he is and how athletic he is and how he's obviously a wonderful player and all this stuff. And I actually had to look up that Herbert played the Patriots last year and played very poorly. Belichick famously kind of owns rookie quarterbacks like maybe it doesn't apply to Houston and Davis Mills but you know every, every other rookie quarterback who comes into Belichick's path seems to play poor I think Herbert had 209 and two picks no winner uh, no touchdown passes but it's year two Herbert they're off the bye they're at home uh they're laying five and a half to the Patriots who uh, to this point have only proven they can beat the Jets uh they've lost to pretty much every good team in their path I think we'll see a lot of New England fans at this game the total is 48 and a half what say you New England LAC uh, tough line. I, I was, I mean, I don't know. I, I really like the chargers. I like that, that they've had a, a week off here. I like that. Uh, you know, I, I just like them. I, I think they're a very, very good football team. Five and a half after the way the Patriots want to play football, which is, you know, not last, last year, just throw out last week. The, the jets were Robert Sala might be a donut. He really might like what, aside from the fact that we all kind of like Robert Sala and he's very charismatic and, and he, he wins press conferences and stuff, what's he done to prove he's an NFL coach up to this point? I mean, they're out, they've been outscored like 102 to 20 in the first half, something crazy like that. They, they, the Patriots scored on nine of their first 10 possessions last week. I mean, that, that ain't the Patriots. The Patriots had a great game on offense and kudos to them, but they ain't facing the Jets this week. I don't know. I, I'm probably going to end up on the Patriots, I, I guess. But this line is really confusing to me because it, it's it's about what it should be. It's a little higher than I'd like to take for the Patriots or for the Chargers. Uh, the Patriots are going to be able to run on them. We saw that in the Ravens game against the Chargers. And I think that's going to be the game plan of Damian Harris, 25 carries. Maybe maybe Ramondre Stevenson rises from the dead again and he gets involved a little bit because I think there's going to be a ground game for them, which keeps the score close, which keeps it low. And I, I, I'll probably end up on the Patriots here. By the way, no no uh, Colts props yet up on BetMGM. So we'll have to wait until – when they come out, though, I know which pit tickets we're going to be punching. Yeah, make sure you send me a text when you hear that. Um, here's a, I'm not a big total player, but here's another game that screams under to me, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. Brandon Staley's made it clear that he plays modern NFL defense, which is we're going to stop your passing game, and you want to run, go ahead. You want to run for five mm-hmm. yards against them. Granted, Baltimore – with their legacy running backs crammed it down their throat two weeks ago. That's the result you get. By the way, the Chargers stunk that day. I don't care. I mean, Buffalo stunk against Pittsburgh. The, the Packers didn't show up against the Saints. There's just going to be a handful of NFL results that don't make any logical sense. You just get to throw them out. Chargers played one. You know, you play 17 games now. You're going to have a couple of stinkers. But New England, it, they don't want Mac Jones playing with his hair on fire. They want to play controlled game. They're, they still don't have a lot of, usually their big plays now are, are trick plays. I don't know how much longer they can run this double pass every week because everybody's <laughs> seen it now. They're going to try to run the ball. It's going to be a lot of Damian Harris. Maybe Stevenson, as you said, may play. You know, Brandon Bolden's found a role in the passing game. Maybe J.G. Taylor gets carries. They want to slow down the game. They want to play a game similar to the Buccaneers game. They didn't beat Tampa Bay. Remember, they kept Tom Brady off the score sheet in that game. No touchdown passes. Other than that, Brady's had an MVP season. I think Belichick can find a way to at least slow the Chargers down a little bit. He's going to try to make this a limited possession game. You go 
under, I'm sorry, under the 48 and a half. That's my lean in this game. I'll probably take the Patriots too, although I've reserved my right to change that opinion. But I think this total is too high. I think it's actually going to come down. So I would I would try to get in on the under because it just seems like the Chargers are going to give you the run and New England's going to be like, yeah, you know what? We'll take that. We'll try to shorten yeah. this game and make it a one possession game and hope we get lucky. Maybe we steal a possession. You know, maybe we can rattle the cage of Herbert a little bit, which is not easy to do. But they did do it last year. Yeah, Another great they, game. They, they did blow him out last year. I forgot about that one. Tom Brady, since he's gone to Tampa Bay, he's led pretty much charmed life. But the one kryptonite, if he's had kryptonite, has been the Saints. Poorly on opening day. I think he threw five interceptions in the two regular season meetings. And even when they beat them in the playoffs, Brady only threw for 199. I mean, the Buccaneers won that game. Brady by no means was great in that game. So uh, Brady's got, you know, he's got something to exercise here. He's on the road at New Orleans. The Saints are five-point underdogs. So when's the last time you saw that? And the total is 50.5. Can Tom Brady find a way to solve the New Orleans Saints? I, I think so. I, I think that, uh, you know, it's, yeah, do I love the fact that the Saints are five-point underdogs at the Superdome and I'm going against them? Not really. But you think about this Buccaneers team that's <clears throat> probably a little bit on cruise control right now. What do they have to focus on, right? Like, what do they have to get themselves up, you know, for a certain game? Well, maybe it's just the Saints blew them out twice last year and they embarrassed them in Tampa Bay. And now, hey, there, there's a little bit of a revenge factor here. I, it, it's not like the, the Buccaneers are going to have a whole lot of games where they're just like, you know, raise the intensity. But this probably is going to be one. And the Saints aren't good. They're just, I, I don't know. I just watched that Monday game like, there's it's obvious Sean Payton does not trust Jameis in any way, shape, or form whatsoever, and maybe he shouldn't. They just want Alvin Kamara to hit a couple plays, and they want to get out of there with the 13-10 type of win like they got on Monday night at Seattle. And then the Buccaneers, you're just not going to do that. You're just not going to hold the Buccaneers, I guess unless you're Bill Belichick, to some 17-13 type of game. I, the, the Buccaneers are going to score. I don't think the Saints can keep up with them. I think the Buccaneers are going to be a little... A little you know, they're going to have a little chip on their shoulder from what happened last year. I'll take the Buccaneers here. I, I don't, again, don't love going against the, it, you know, home field advantage isn't great anymore, but the Saints and the Superdome still kind of exist for me. But I still have to take the Buccaneers here. I just think they're too good. I mean, Brady's no dummy. He, he went to a team that fixed its offensive line that has unbelievable skill talent. And it just seems unfair. And, and we don't, it sounds like Antonio Brown will be back. Not sure about Gronkowski yet. Obviously, Evans was, was terrific last week. Godwin's great. Leonard Fournette has turned into a major fantasy yeah. winner. I'll give you another prop, by the way. Jameis Winston, okay? The, I don't think, because the Buccaneers are going to score. The way the NFL, it's just hard, so hard to, to keep down an offense that's as efficient as this offense is. It's multifaceted. And also, you know, one of those Brady Saints games, that's the first game of the year last year. I mean, he, he hardly had time to, to learn. You know, they were jumping off sides. They were playing undisciplined. I mean, I don't think that's reflective of who the Buccaneers are now. The Saints will have to let Jameis throw more than they are comfortable doing. And that means Jameis Winston, whatever the interception props are, whether yeah. it's to throw an interception, to throw more than one interception, I want you to bet against Jameis Winston this week. I want you to bet on Jameis Winston interception. Even if there's a pick six prop, as long as it's not, usually those props aren't, anywhere near what they should be. But if there's like a, a decent odds on a Jameis pick six prop, I might get involved in that because I have a feeling Jameis Winston is going to be 2019 or 18, whatever the year when he, when he had the 30 for 30 season where he ended it with a pick six. It was just right. so beautiful. <laughs> I have a feeling yeah. that's what we're seeing this week. So my, my first inclination here was uh, I want to bet against Jameis Winston, not in a nefarious way. I'm just a capitalist, Frank. There you go. So uh, that's what we're going to do. 
we'll transition to the, the speed round. We, we may not be as long on these games. Uh, the other game in the NFC South, not as appealing. What happened to the Carolina Panthers? They were a oh my goodness. shiny oh story. My goodness. And, and all of a sudden, Sam Darnold can't find his way. And, and, you know, just when I thought the Falcons were a dead issue, Matt Ryan started to play well. They got something going with Pitts. He's looked all the stuff that they said about Pitts all summer that didn't show in September. It showed the last two games. He looks unbelievable. They're starting to use him more as a jumbo receiver. They have Ridley back. He hasn't really popped yet. Atlanta is a three-point favorite over Carolina, playing that game down in Georgia. The total is 46, which I think is a little light. I, we'll, we'll see if Darnold can keep up. But, man, I, I want to burn everything I said about Sam Darnold. I want to burn everything I said about the Panthers a month ago. I thought they were maybe going to be like a six or seven seed in the NFC. Now I'm wondering if they might trade for Deshaun Watson. What do you see here? Yeah, I was so wrong last week. I, again, I had a... I have a very strong lean, not even a strong lean. It's a very strong pick on the Panthers to beat the Giants. They just terrible. I, I keep expecting Sam Darnold from the first couple of weeks to show up. And it's just, it, it bothers me because I, I, I was so anti Darnold all summer. And I just was like, why did the Panthers trade for this guy? And then you start talking yourself into, well, he's got DJ Moore and he's got Robbie Anderson who was on a milk carton somewhere. I, I, I I'm going to take the Falcons, but I'm going to wait and to see what happens with Christian McCaffrey. They're a different team with Christian McCaffrey. He's that good. He's he's all world running back. And if he plays, that Panthers offense has looked a lot different. I, I'm going to watch the practice reports really closely. As soon as he's, it looks like he's out, I'll be on the Falcons here because I just I just can't trust the Panthers anymore. At least at least until McCaffrey comes back, and maybe even not then. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but like the the teams, the fantasy teams that I have, Cordaro Patterson, I, I, I'm like rejecting. I'm like Dikembe Mutombo rejecting. Cordero Patterson trade offers. No, you may not have my Cordero Patterson. I need this guy. And wasn't it just exciting to see Pitt spread his wings? I imagine how much fun yes. Florida must have been with Tony and Pitt together last year. But because we didn't see it in September. And and it was fair to wonder that you know, was Arthur Smith over his skis and what what happened? You know, when are they unveiling the real plays that you know the stuff they weren't showing in the summer? But he looks like I mean, I think he was the first tight end in history, rookie tight end to have back to back hundred yard games. I think that was the stat. He Something he looks like, like everything they said about all the People who were pro pits, this is the player that we were promised. Yeah, he, you know, I mean, people like you and others had said, okay, let, let's talk about this middle tier of tight ends. And if there's one guy in this group who could end up being the tight end one, it's Kyle Pitts. And that's, that's kind of, that's why I took him in a few leagues. And boy, is he showing it now. And it just, it just bothers me so much that it took him so long. Like, oh, like, not like you didn't know who Kyle Pitts was, right? Like, he was a fourth pick of the draft. Like, why was he getting like, three catches a game in September, but uh, that's over now. He's unlocked. He's unleashed. He is going to just have a, he's he's probably going to make a run at that Mike Ditka rookie record for tight ends. Yeah. I saw his slot percentage. I, I looked at the tight end slot percentages a week ago. Gusecki was number one at like 67% and Pitts was in the forties. And I thought that that number should be where Gusecki is, you know, I mean, granted Pitts has the game to play outside too, but I, I never want his hand in the ground. I don't want him blocking, chipping. I don't want him, he, you know, you're a receiver. You are a matchup problem. Let's go unleash you against the defense. So we talk about this every week. We'll say it again. Jalen Hurts, the biggest gap between fantasy and reality, right? He is fantasy. Yeah. Um, you know, he is the fantasy nectar of the gods. He's the top 10 quarterback every week, usually in the fourth quarter. You don't, don't look at the Philadelphia box score in the first half. It's only going to cause you stress. End of the game, Hurts will have his numbers. Of course, the Eagles probably won't win. Uh, they are three-point favorites on the road at the Detroit Lions, uh, the most spunky, well-coached, fun, go-get-em, winless team in the NFL, right? I mean, Dan Campbell, he's crazy. He'll go for it on fourth down and do fake punts. 
And I, I want to believe in this guy, but he's got no talent on the team. Not not no talent, but he's got, you know, he's got a bad hand. Let's just face it. Yeah. So the Lions are catching three. Is it the spot Detroit finally breaks its maiden? The total, if you're so inclined, is 48. Yep, I'm on Lions plus three. I'll be on the Lions money line. I just, this Eagles team does nothing for me. And now I, I get Miles Sanders wasn't lighting the world on fire or anything, but he's out. Like, I mean, does that help? No, no, it sure doesn't. Uh, I just, I, I think the Lions are just playing so hard. Like you talked about, they they gave the Rams a real run. It was like for a while there, I was really happy I didn't have the Rams in any of my survival pools. And, I, and they just, it, again, Jalen Ramsey makes a great play in the end zone and that kind of turns them back. But the Philadelphia Eagles ain't the Los Angeles Rams. And I think this Lions team wants that win so bad. I think they they want to pour the Gatorade on Dan Campbell and they want to jump around to the locker room afterwards. You can just tell. You can just sense this team really cares. They do. They're playing hard. They're playing hard for Dan Campbell, I think. He's he's really motivated these guys. I think this is the way to get their win. I think this is it. I think they, I'll be, on, again, I'll be on Lions. I'll be on money, Lions money line. Maybe I'm just falling for the narrative, but I, I really have a soft spot in my heart kind of for this Lions team just because, you can see that this isn't your typical 0-7. They have no hope of ever competing. They're in there every single week battling, and I, I really respect what they're doing. I do, too. I mean, look, they, they should have beaten the Ravens. I mean, it, it took an NFL yeah. record kick. Um, and that a hit, fourth and 19 before that. <laughs> and a bad officiating call where they didn't call a delay a game. Yeah, I mean, you know, right, Baltimore right. had to win a bunch of coin flips. Um, yeah. That resulted not against the Ravens, but the Lions should have won that game. Detroit easily could have beaten a, and a very good Rams team, right? A Rams team that all of us believe in. And Campbell, you know, there are winless teams this time of year where you can see, oh, they don't believe in the coach. You know, I think we all think Urban Meyer's one and done. We talked about, is Salah the right guy in New York? I mean, the Lions seem to be buying what Dan Campbell is selling. They just need to win. And again, if they do win, I think they're going to party like they just won the Super Bowl. And they should. And, and they, they should. should. I think it would be a great moment. I agree. So we talked earlier about the WFT, the appropriate letters for that football team. Uh, they're going to Denver, who they've fallen on hard times, too. Uh, the Broncos are a three-point favorite. Surprise, the total's 43.5, because I think Washington can move the ball, and I don't think Washington can st- – Frank, you and me and nine Yahoo colleagues, I think we p- could put up 30 on the WFT. I, I just, This defense, I, and I know they got Chase Young, and they have some big names, but the secondary is awful. Maybe Jerry Judy's back on this game. Teddy Two Gloves is good enough. Cortland Sutton's a baller, Noah Fant's a baller. I'd like to see more of Javonta Williams. I think he's still a great fantasy get for the second half of the season. So the total to me here, 43 and a half, that's what jumped out at me. I think that's way too low. But uh, do you like the side? Do you like anything here for fantasy? What's your take on Washington, Denver? Yeah, I, I can't say I love it. Uh, I mean, there was, <laughs> to, to give you an idea, I'm based in Denver, obviously, and mm-hmm. to give you an idea of what people here are thinking, Broncos Wire did a poll asking would you be happy if Vic Fangio got fired right now? And f- I think 1,400 people responded. 93% of people said, yes, they'd be happy if Vic Fangio was gone. I thought it was going to be 100%. <laughs> yeah, and 4, 4% was indifferent. So it was only 3% of people who were like, we want Fangio to stay. Like, the, it is turned here, and people are mad. They are angry. And I, I'll say this. If if Washington comes in here and wins, uh, there might be a, a new their coaching opening on Monday. They're really, I mean, it's just... You can just sense that, that nothing's going right. He met with, I guess, Fangio met with the front office the other day. It's it's heading that way. It's bad. I do think this Broncos team wins. I just, I, I can't trust anything with Washington right now. Although, you know, you look at this Green Bay game and it was 24-10. And if you didn't watch the game, you probably think, well, whatever. They just didn't compete. 
they outgained the Packers significantly in this game. They had four red zone trips and they got three points out of it. That's but that's a bad team. That that's what happens to bad teams. I I I don't know. I don't I don't love I, I probably won't have anything on this game, but I guess if I have to pick a side, Broncos minus three, and we'll see if again, if they lose, uh I'll probably be talking to the NFL editors, you know, Al Toby and Joey Galino saying, do we need to pre-write this McFangio gets fired post because it might be coming down the pike? Yeah, shout out to Al Toby, who I know is a big Michigan State guy. So it's a big week for him with you. the Michigan-Michigan State game. He's Sparta forever, right? That's I think that's his yeah. handle in the league that we're in together. So I wish him good luck on Saturday. I, again, I think the total is too low, man. I, I just, the football team can move the ball. You make a great point. They move the ball up and down Green Bay. They just didn't get the points. Kind of like that Detroit-Chicago game a few weeks ago where Detroit yeah. lived in the red zone, had nothing to show for it. And, and Heineke, you know, it's almost like they told Taylor Heineke, look, I want you to play exactly like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Make some good throws, make some loose throws, run like it's the last snap of your NFL career. Every once in a while, hit a long pass to McLaurin. You know, I feel like he's like 85 or 90% of Fitzpatrick. I, I enjoy Heineke, and I'm scared by him all at the same time, but it's fun. It's kind of a dysfunctional fun, but, you know, hey, that's – that's kind of who the football team is right now. So the Dolphins and Bills are getting their rematch. And it was a while ago. Remember, Buffalo, they lost opening day at Pittsburgh. And even though they won at Miami, it was a blowout. Josh Allen didn't play that well in either of the first two games. Since then, out of his mind. His rating is like 118. Yeah. He's got 12 touchdowns, two picks. Um, they're not going to have Dawson Knox in this game. He's got the broken hand. You know, Had to beat us with that two-point conversion. Now he's hurt. But um, fantasy sidebar. The Bills, as you would expect, big favorites, 13 and a half. And it's just no fun talking about games when the lines are that big. Uh, the total is 48. Is it enough points? Can we? Uh, un- big underdogs have been a terrible bet in the NFL this year. Yeah. How do we handle Miami Buffalo? Yeah, this is where a couple of weeks ago I'd have been saying, well, of course, blindly take 13 and a half. But I, I guess I will. Tua has, has not looked as bad as everybody says. He's, he's not great. He's not Justin Herbert. They made the wrong pick, okay? We just have to wash that away. What's done is done. It's it's sunk cost at this point. You're not getting Justin Herbert back, no matter how much you complain about it. What is Tua right now as an NFL quarterback? And I think he's one of these okay Baker Mayfield level quarterbacks. Like I think he can make some plays. Like last week, they were down to the Falcons by 13. He brought them back. He made some big plays on that last drive. And if if the Falcons don't go down and score right away. We're talking about how, hey, Tua might have turned a corner in this game. He looked pretty good. He had two awful interceptions. So, But when the chips were down, he really played well. He came up clutch. I think that Tua could do the same kind of song and dance this week and maybe get them in the back door. I mean, he does have, it sounds like Will Fuller might be back. Devontae Parker's kind of this week to week, like why, why is he ever going to come back type of deal? But at some point he's going to come back. And Gusecki's just a fantasy stud at this point. I think they have enough that they can at least have a backdoor potential here against the Bills. Yeah, you know, I've never really been a Tua guy, but I thought he played reasonable in the Jacksonville game in London. I thought yeah. he played well last week in the defense. Again, yeah, does he make a couple of loose throws? Yes. Is there going to be some turnovers in his game? Probably, as he learns. But I think he's earned the right to at least play the rest of the season and see. You know, I, I if I were Miami, I don't see any point of what, why would you trade for Deshaun Watson now? I mean, your season's cooked anyway. Give Tua the rest of the year and fi- evaluate him. You try try to coach him up and, and see where you're at. The one thing I wish they would do, and if this has changed, I've missed the story, but Miami's the one team in the NFL that has co-offensive coordinators, which just seems like the stupidest idea to me. Yeah. You need to have one voice. You need to have one guy who's the man with that stuff. You can't have two voices. And I, and I wonder if it's led to like this Miles Gaskin week in, week out, 
you know, one week he's good, one week he gets four touches. And I know Malcolm Brown's out, so Gaskin's probably back in fantasy play. As for Buffalo, hey, good for you. If you have Buffalo Bills, man, you know, press play on them because they're going to get their 30. It's just a matter of how much Miami fights back. Well, I, I, I guess because it's on the script, uh, producer Brett wants us to talk about the Bengals and Jets. I, I think we can maybe focus on the Bengals side of this. Uh, the game is in New York. The Bengals, a hot team now, nine and a half point favorites. They're the first place team in the AFC North, just fresh off their Baltimore win totals on the low side, 43.5. Well, Michael Carter, he's something for the Jets fantasy-wise. You know, I like the way they've handled Burrow. I think they soft-pedaled him early, and they let the defense kind of, and since that defense, very underrated story, underreported story. Yep. But they weren't relying on Burrow too much. They let him kind of settle in. Jamar Chase turned into the right pick. I was leaning towards maybe they should have taken an offensive lineman. Obviously the wrong take. Jamar Chase is having that Justin Jefferson, Randy Moss season, and I don't throw that out lightly. Um, what do you do after you just beat your biggest rival probably um, in the Ravens, I would think? How do you get how you possibly get up for this Jets team who played one of the worst games we've seen all season? I, I get that angle, but I think there's just a math problem for the Jets. Uh, uh, let's look at okay, how many so points. To, the, yeah, right. The total is 43 and a half. So let's say 44 just for math's sake here, because I'm, I'm not smart enough to do the advanced calculus. But it's basically saying that they expect the Bengals to win 27 17, right? Mm-hmm. Where the heck are the Jets getting 17 points from? The, not that Zach Wilson was lighting the world on fire, but. Mike White and Joe Flacco, really? Like we're getting seventeen points out of that offense against a, like you said, very underrated Bengals defense that should shut down Lamar Jackson. I think the Jets' ceiling in this game is ten points. Maybe you can play this back on Monday if they score twenty four, and I'll I'll tip my cap. But I, I just can't see them. I I don't even know if they score a touchdown at all. Like if you were to tell me, like the Jets got shut out Sunday, yeah, okay, yeah, of course they might. Like and the Bengals, we know they can score at will. I get they're not going to be up for this game. And that worries me because I usually like betting situations. But again, just a math problem. The Bengals are going to score 21. I can confidently say that. Do I, can I confidently say the Jets are going to score more than 10? No, not at all. I, I, I think the only, the only reason I would be a little bit worried about the under here is the Bengals might just put up 35, like maybe more, maybe 42. Like they just might just look at this as a, let's go out there and have fun and throw the ball around type of game. They certainly have the talent to turn out the lights on the Jets really early and pile it on. I I just, I I have to take the Bengals here, and I actually kind of feel confident about it. Again, I I just don't see where the Jets' points come from. Yeah, it's nice that the Bengals, that they're not peppering Chase with an absurd amount of targets, because I think he's on pace to have the best yards per target season in history. Last week, they had 15 targets for Higgins. Why not? Target Jamar Chase 15 times. That's yeah. what I would do. I, I know you realize you think you're taking the easier matchup. Higgins is a good football player. So is Tyler Boyd. But Jamar Chase is like, his upside is like Hall of Fame someday. That That's how good he could be. Yeah. When you were saying before that C.D. Lamb's going to be the number one receiver in fantasy, my thought in my back of my head was, well, he's going to have to beat Jamar Chase for that because he's going to be, he is going to be, he's going to be a first round pick next year. Yeah, we have another, we have another fun receiver to talk about in the next game. I just want to throw out one more Jets stat. I believe this is correct. No first, no first quarter points the whole season for the Jets, Correct. which yep. is a condemnation on your coach. That's supposed to be your script, right? Those are supposed to be yep. the best plays. The plays that you feel best about is what you roll out in the first quarter, right? They feel good about nothing. Absolutely. No, they're, <laughs> that, they're poorly coached. They're a poorly coached team right now. And I hate to say it because I don't, I don't dislike Robert Sala in any way, and I want him to succeed, but there's no evidence right now that he's good. I, and there's a lot of let's face it. There's a lot of guys who are great coordinators who maybe for whatever reason it doesn't work out as a head coach. Too early to say that about Salah, but we at least have to wonder. 
if maybe it's just as, you know, maybe he's just better to be a coordinator. We'll see. Again, it's, you know, it's not even two months into the dance, so I, I don't want to be harshly critical of Salah. You know, he doesn't have a lot of talent there, but no positive uh, things to hang your hat on with the Jets right now. Talk about receivers, right? We know Derrick Henry is a huge fantasy key. If you have Derrick Henry, good for you. Just, you know, don't rub it in because, you know, other people don't have Derrick Henry. I feel even more so, at least you had to take Henry third or fourth or fifth in your draft. You might have gotten mm-hmm. Cooper Cup in the fourth round. You might have gotten Cooper Cup in the fifth round. This guy's always open. This guy's always double-digit targets in every game. He's scoring touchdowns. He's eating breakfast with Matthew Stafford. They're on the same page. And this team has other good talent. Woods is good. Henderson's good. Higby's a good player. But Cooper Cup's unfair. So Cooper Cup, the unfair Cooper Cup tour goes to Houston Plucky defense, but the offense you know, ambushes it, sells it down the river. They're like in the middle of the pack in DVOA defense, but you're on the field the whole game. The Rams are a 14.5-point favorite at Houston, which is a huge number in the NFL. Total is 47. It's just hard to bet these games with big spreads. Uh, go anywhere you want. What do you think of the Rams and the Texans? Yeah, by, by the way, there has to be somebody. Please tweet us your roster or so, because there has to be somebody who drafted Henry first round, Cooper Cup fourth round, and then Jamar Chase, like, sixth round, right? Like, oh, you're you're God. probably undefeated. Not me. And, uh, not me. No, not me either. I don't have any of those teams. But there has to be somebody, right? And, uh, yes, you're right. Cooper Cup is uh, just having uh, just an unbelievable season. He's making a run at Offensive Player of the Year, really. Like, he's playing that well. And uh, to me, this game, I'm not going to bet it because, uh, again, these double-digit games are, are not my cup of tea. But if Tyron Taylor plays, I'll probably pick the Houston in our, our pick-em pool. If Tyron Taylor doesn't play, I'll pick the Rams. That that's I, I hate to be so basic, but that's basically what it comes down to for me. I just I think the Texans can compete with Taylor. I just Davis Mills just <laughs> no at fourteen and a half. That's fine. I, I would take that if it's against Davis Mills. You know, last week was a really fun week for me in DFS because when I saw people like Foster Moreau and, and Dante Pettis as really cheap ten dollar minimum plays, I'm like, oh, this is great. I play those guys, and then I can play Stafford and Cup, and uh, that. That was pretty fun. It was pretty, yeah, you know, really. I don't have, I have some cup. I have some Stafford. Uh, Stafford's been good. He's quarterback six. He's not smashing the league. But just for once, it's like all those easy Cooper. You know, I don't, the Rams don't use play action as much as some other teams do. And people say, why don't they press the easy button? Well, they have an easy button. It's called crossing route, Cooper Cup's wide open, 17-yard gain. And they run it six, seven it's times a game. It's, all, it's always yeah, open. Yeah. That, that option route? Okay, go ahead. It's it, it's like, you know, you remember Wes Welker in his prime. And I hate I, I shouldn't compare because it's, you know, white guy, white guy. But you you look at the way Wes Welker just, hey, if you're going to guard me this way, I'm going to go this way. And Brady and him were on the same page. Even though Stafford and Cup have been together for two months, basically, playing games for two months, they have that. They're just so locked in that th- those routes are just open every single down. And, and Cooper, Cooper just makes something happen. Well, it's a breakfast the narrative. They eat breakfast together. I, I need to know. What court? What quarterbacks eat breakfast with which receivers? Because that's obviously <laughs> the key to breaking fantasy, and that's what Absolutely. Cup has done. He is, you know, does he get French toast? Does he get bacon and eggs? You know, does he get an omelet? You know, what, what is he doing here? So we got one more football game. Save the best for last. Trevor Lawrence against Geno Smith. Uh, the Seahawks are three and a half point favorites over the Jaguars, and whatever's left of Urban Meyer and his football team off their bye week. A very low forty three point five total. What say you, Jacksonville, Seattle, Scott? Please fly out to Denver. 
and mm-hmm. make sure I do not watch this game because I will bet the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks and I do not want to watch it for at all. Like this is going to be the worst, ugliest la- Monday was awful. Like just because NFL games are close doesn't mean they're good. And that game was awful. Well, it good was- news for you. After playing on Thursday night football, Sunday night football, and Monday night football, <laughs> the NFL has not made this an island. They didn't flex this game Thank on Sunday you. night. Uh, Thank you, NFL. Please appreciate it, Roger Goodell. Uh, I mean, the only thing I were like Jacksonville's terrible. Like only three and a half. Like I almost have to automatically take that. But at the same time, Pete Carroll believes that hey, the way we're going to win this game is just running Alex Collins two yards a, a pop and punting on fourth down. Like what? Like I, I get that Geno's not good, but can you get so, like so? Quick complaint about fantasy football. My main league drafted Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett, and Russell mm-hmm. Wilson gets hurt, and I was obviously bummed out about Russell Wilson. I didn't realize it killed Tyler Lockett, too. Like, I should have. I should have thought that way. But losing Tyler Lockett, which we have, you, I don't even know Tyler Lockett's startable in fantasy right now. Uh, losing him is much worse than Russell Wilson because I picked up Carson Wentz and he's been okay. But, yeah, I, I just I can't take the Jaguars. I don't trust them at all. I think Seattle finds a way to cover because Jacksonville's just a miserable football team. But I do not want to watch a moment of this game. It is going to be terrible. I never remember a season where so many pseudo-name brand receivers – it's like, oh my God, can I really cut Allen Robinson? Oh my God, can oh, I really yeah, cut Odell yeah. Beckham? Can I can I really, yeah. you know, bench Tyler Lockett? There's just some guys being submarined by bad situations. And you know, in the case of Robinson, we've seen him produce with so many bad situations before. Chicago has three touchdown passes. Three. Oh, is that true? <laughs> I did not know that. Wow. Three? Like Tom Brady's getting three before he at the end of the first quarter. Like <laughs> you get three throughs. Oh, that's that's brutal. And I'm glad we brought up Allen Robinson because it reminds me that I inadvertently, I guess I just don't want to talk about the Niners and Bears, so I skipped over it. I apologize. <laughs> but uh, San Francisco, you have to have a conversation about Kyle Shanahan, Frank. Is Kyle Shanahan under 500? Just... I don't know. Uh, they go to Chicago. Um, the Niners are spotting three and a half. Um, I don't want to play Allen Robinson. I, I think Justin Fields has a chance someday, probably not with the Chicago team. We know Matt Nagy. Probably out at the end of the season. I think no joy in that, but it doesn't seem like he's the right guy for the job. 39 and a half is a small total in the NFL. What do we make of San Francisco, Chicago? Uh, I, You're right about Kyle Shanahan. We're looking at possibility of four out of five seasons, losing seasons for Kyle Shanahan. And he gets a pass all the time. For me too, I do it. But yeah, we're going to have to take a look at him if he can't turn this thing around because every other year it was, oh, they don't have a lot of talent or they're banged up or whatever. Not this year. There's really not an excuse. They're... It's a bad football team. Like, why can't they get Brandon Ayuk going? Is that just a total Ayuk problem? Or is that just that they're misusing their skill position, guys? It's Debo and that's it. And I guess whoever the running back is that week. I'll take San Francisco. I'm going to have some faith in Kyle here. I'm going to have some faith that Elijah Mitchell runs for buck 20. Jimmy, not in a bomb cyclone or whatever the heck that was called. He could at least get the ball again, at least can get the ball to Debo Samuel a few times. And and I just don't have any trust in this Bears offense. It's uh, Cleo Herbert is a revelation, by the way. He, I don't know what they do with David Montgomery when he comes back because I think Cleo Herbert might be better. But I, I think that, you know, just overall play to play, if he can get a lead on the Bears, they're going to really, really struggle because Justin's just, as much as I like him, as much as I was banging the drum for him to start opening day, he ain't ready. And I, I just don't want to be holding the ticket on the Bears when, you know, if they're down 10 zip because they just have no chance to come back. Yeah, I don't think they even have 200 yards passing in a game. The best passing game they had all year was full of full, yeah. was, was um, Dalton, Dalton against the Rams yeah. opening day when everybody was like, we're going to bench this guy. That was your high watermark. 
Yeah. Do you like Herbert? Greg, Greg Cosell before last week compared Herbert to Tiki Barber, who I think is like a Hall oh, of Fame guy. And then Greg pop. Cosell yeah. is not a hot take, you know, no. let's make a soundbite guy. And obviously he's a film maven. So that means something to me. I lean Bears only because kind of the angle you took with the Browns and Steelers. If the points are going to be at a premium, I think starting with three and a half sure. means something to me. I still like Chicago's defense. I think they can just they're going to put the ball in Herbert's belly a lot, and maybe they can ugly that game up. So too long didn't listen. Let's give people conviction plays, Frank. What are the games we feel strongly about? I mentioned that I want to go first half under because you come here for the show for first half unders. I want you to go first half <laughs> under on the Browns. And Steelers, and I think you'll be with me on this, Detroit is going to certainly be one of my week eight punches. What are you already feeling? The check mark is already lined up. Uh, de- definitely Detroit. Yeah, I'll be on there with you. Under on the Steelers, Browns. I-, I think that that game is just, that's got ugly game. Whoever wins, it's going to have 17 points written all over it. I do like the Buccaneers. I- I'm a little concerned because, you know, Again, Saints plus you just see Saints plus five and you get a little nervous. Uh, and then the other game that really, as we're talking about it, really uh, I probably got some conviction on was the Bengals, just because again, I, I do worry about the situation. But how, how the heck are the Jets going to score? And I know the Bengals can score, so I, I think the Bengals too are going to be uh, they're going to be one of my stronger places. I might take Bengals first half too if the Jets can't score in the first quarter. Right, they'll probably be Bengals. Right. I would guess minus seven in the first half. I think I might go Cincinnati first half. I'm I'm, I'm trying to, to limit. I'm, you know, I'm trying to make these one and a half hour bets, instead of these three hour bets. So so I can tell you at I, I can text you at two forty five Eastern time and tell you how much money I'm down and, and ask for a second half. No, because I'm gonna I'm gonna sweep the board in the first half. Uh, by the way, if you want more great gambling advice, be sure to subscribe to the Yahoo Sportsbook Daily podcast on your podcast platform of choice subscribe to this show the yahoo fantasy football forecast it's you know i I subscribe to podcasts i like it shows up in my player you don't have to look for it so it's easy to find frank or me or andy barons or minty Betts, whoever you want to listen to we get a whole crew of fantasy and gambling experts handicapping experts over yahoo and we, we hope you're enjoying our programming if you want to get social with us twitter wonderful place to share information scott underscore pinowski it's how you get to me yahoo schwab is how you get to Frank. And of course, you want any kind of fantasy stats, analysis, memes, um, you know, fantasy football live on Sunday. Follow the Yahoo Fantasy account. Keep tabs on them. Matt Dalton, they're back tomorrow. It's Stat Nerd Thursday. They're going to be taking COVID tests for every one of the Green Bay Packers and previewing that Green Bay Arizona game. Until then, for Frank, for Brett, for me, that's Scott. Straight cash, homie. Go cash some tickets. Bet some first half unders. We are out. <laughs>